Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse, and we are the Dad Fathers coming at you with some alien kind of energy. Mm. Mm. Feeling pretty alien, feeling pretty alien. So yeah. to, to kick off an alien episode, though, we have a guest who's not an alien to us at all. Right, Jesse? No, he is not an alien to us, but he does believe in them. Everybody, welcome JP back to the pod. JP! <laughs> Hi everyone. <laughs> so we are, you've been we are here. Is being a believer. Yeah, I know. How, how do you how do you we, feel about this? We come in peace. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. Yes. But do our overlords come in peace, JP? The alien overlords. You know, I'm are I'm they peaceful? Still, I'm still working that one out. Actually, you know, this um well, I don't want to. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I, I feel like I, I made some progress on, on figuring that out. You know, over this past week, you know, getting ready for this podcast. You know, so yeah. Oh, ooh, that's awesome. Well, um, maybe okay. before we like jump into what the episode is, I, I kind of want to just talk about this We've, right here. <laughs> we'll get there. Right. Okay. We'll All get right. there. But I just wanted to say, like, the last episode the you were on, out there. JP, uh, yep. was a long time ago, right? Yeah, it was, and... it was once upon a time. That's think, it. Once upon I think a time. we recorded it almost a year ago at this point. Yeah. Because we did that one way in advance. I remember in, that. In November. Yeah. Wow. Well, we're sorry that it took so long. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, no, I'm just, I'm just super excited to be back. And, and that, um, I will admit without shame that I did go back and, and listen to that episode multiple times just because I just wanted to <laughs> relive how much fun it was. And so. <laughs> I'm glad I, I have another episode now that I'll be able to go back and listen to a bunch more times. So mix it up a little bit, you know? Yeah. Well, we're you, happy to have you back. Yeah. And you could also like record your own audio diaries of you talking if that's what you wanted to hear. Like, <laughs> but it wasn't yeah. just his voice that he wanted to hear. It's the time. This that's time right. with the dad fathers. The dad yeah. father. Time. Exactly. Exactly. With the big dad energy. Big dad I like energy. that. What were you going to say, Mike? Before, I just wanted to introduce everyone back to JP. Oh. But then you wanted to talk about... The truth is out there. You wanted to talk about aliens. I, I mean, I not aliens, though. I don't want to talk about aliens. What? I want to talk about signs of aliens. Oh! oh. <laughs> More uh. an anthropological interest. <laughs> <laughs> because we're doing, of course, 2002's M. Night Shyamalan masterpiece? Is it a masterpiece, do you think? It's science. It's science. We're doing science, everyone. Is this like one of his best movies? Top three? I, I don't think you have to say it's within the top three. Unless, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, competition is not steep here. It's got, it's got <laughs> four, I would say, fairly strong competitors amidst, like, the... 12 that are that suck it's right I, the well, I mean six... the happening is number one right yeah. everyone agrees oh, the happening... <laughs> that's why we didn't all know mark that... Wahlberg at his best <laughs> that actually might be true <laughs> <laughs> and zoe Deschanel at her best as well oh uh, pains <laughs> me to say zoe zoe uh, this is also why we didn't have Dom on this week, is that we wouldn't get that argument. Uh, yeah. Dom loves the happening, everyone, just at him as much as you can. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think The Sixth Sense, isn't that still known as his best movie? That's the reason why he became famous, and I, I still enjoy The Sixth Sense and still think of that as the Shyamalan's number one. Yeah. 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 I, I have a hard time with this one and then 
I just have a lot of affection for the village. So signs in the village, like hop off and hop mm. on the third spot a lot for me. Hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. How, how do you, how do you guys feel about the village? Have you seen any of you seen it recently? It's been a not, long time. Yeah. It's, it's, I been, remember a, it's been a while, it. not recently, but all right. Unbreakable. Unbreakable is also up there. Like, especially now with the amount of superhero movies, that one is strangely floated slowly to, to the upper midst of them. I would rank that as his second best movie. Like, I think. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. It's just really mature. It's mm-hmm. like, it's really not mature. Mature is, is the dumbest way to say that. It's very assured. It's really adult. Like it says, mm. you know, yeah. you know what you like about superheroes, the throwing of cars and the jumping over buildings. None of that. Actually, like the best <laughs> scene is going to be a father slowly lifting more and more weights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought that was really cool. And that was one where I used to be more bored by it, but yeah, I can go back to that more and more. Yeah. Unfortunately, ruined by the the third movie of that tril of the unexpected trilogy, Glass. Couldn't stand Glass. Glass is is unpardonable. Yeah, it makes me so angry. Like that's a real disappointment. I I will say though, Split. Regardless of what you think of the movie as a whole, which I'm not sure what I think of the movie as a whole, but just as a showcase of James McAvoy's acting range, it's worth it for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, oh, yeah, a hundred percent. I think I basically feel the same way. I'm not sure what I think of the movie as a whole, but I enjoy it just for James McAvoy. <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, as a whole, I think the movie's kind of messy and it's a little weird. Um, but I, I, I went and saw that with yeah. you, Mike, and I remember we got to the end and then they played the theme for Unbreakable and we would look at each other and then Bruce Willis turns around and we're like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> That was amazing. That one of the best theater experiences I've ever had was just getting caught so flat footed at that. I'm going to have to insert a spoiler warning there. <laughs> somewhere yeah. in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it a spoiler if the thing that it like reveals ends up sucking major balls? <laughs> <laughs> this is a good question. But the reveal itself is worth its weight in gold. Yeah. If you just, if you just said like the third project was like lost to time, no one ever knew what happened to it. It was just these two. Then we could all just like all dream about what glass would have been. Wow, that is so much better than anything I just saw. <laughs> man, uh, glass is awful. Glasses, man. So if we ever uh, do a pod on it someday, I would like to just go through like minute by minute and just yeah. list why it doesn't work at all. Uh, oh man, but like Bruce Willis is so old and there's that weird part where he's just like straining and it's supposed to be a fight. It just looks like he wants to take a shit. Yeah. And <laughs> I think the whole movie just happens to be a rehash of both Unbreakable and Split. Yeah. Oh, it's and terrible. Then, and then the hero of Unbreakable gets drowned in a puddle. Yep. Oh, that's pathetic. Yep. After following the same damn storyline, finally something interesting happens and the movie ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really felt like, oh, like, oh, we're good. we're about to get going somewhere. We're about to do something. Oh, it's over. Oh, okay. No, yeah, that was yeah. satisfying. Okay, You're right. Okay, I really thank enjoyed you. That. Yes, yeah. exactly. That was exactly what I was like, wait, the movie's over now? Like, we just, okay. All right. Bye. Yeah, the, there's like 20 more minutes that needed to be here. Why is it not yeah. here? Anyway, this is, we are too far afield. Uh, we must come back. Mike's reminding me with his face. Um, <laughs> but why are we doing signs? <laughs> In our Halloween spooktacular month. So we started with A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place Part 2, which you, uh, Mike and Jesse, ably did while I was away. Which is that that's like creature alien movies that are new, fun, exciting. Yeah. Talking about new entries to the dad canon. 
And then for Mike's birthday episode, we did three zombie movies. Yeah. Because like you got to have the zombies in, in the, the, the spooktober. You need it. Yeah. And yeah. that, that was a ton of fun uh, in that mm-hmm. discussion. Listen back on that. And now, now, though, we have what I think is an alien classic before we get super crazy, timey-wimey bullshit with Last Night in Soho, which I think is going to be fantastic. Just, yeah. just fantastic. And I, wild. I, I like mm-hmm. that we're hitting like a bunch of these beats, though. We're doing like creatures. We're doing zombies. We're doing aliens. And we're going to do like a classic kind of fun slasher kind of thing. Yeah. To close out our our October, yeah. so this is this is fun and a good suggestion from Jesse. Actually, this is this is your pick, man. Yeah, I was thinking about this movie a lot while we were watching uh, A Quiet Place. Yeah, because like like I said on the Quiet Place episode, I think Quiet Place is going to be a movie I want to show my kids when they're a little bit younger to introduce them to horror. And Signs for me was that movie, so I instantly thought of this movie and kind of wanted to talk about it. And they both have a strong family dynamic that I think makes them really approachable. So yeah, I'm, I think they, I think science and a quiet place and quiet place part two in particular kind of go together like peanut butter and aliens. Mm, <laughs> my favorite combination. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if we're going to do some quick cast and crew then before we jump into our nostalgia. So we've already talked M night Shyamalan, big, big guy with the sixth sense comes out of the gate, kind of out of the gate. He does have a student film called praying with anger in 1992 um, then he does Wide Awake for Miramax, which has Dennis Leary, Robert Loja, Rosie O'Donnell, and Julia Stiles. Um, it's a, a super religious movie where Rosie O'Donnell plays a nun. Like yeah. A, like a semi-serious but comedic nun. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, actually the, the Blank Check podcast. They they did all of Shyamalan's career. And they did oh. one, one episode for Praying with Anger and Wide Awake. And uh, apparently it's not that bad. Apparently it's pretty good. I remember enjoying it many years ago when as like a family movie, because that's yeah. kind of what it is. It's like yeah, a family okay. comedy movie. When we Not get just really... comedy. It's also very sad. It's about a boy trying to figure out what happened to his grandfather after his grandfather passed away and he was really close to him. Who was wide awake? The little boy. Okay, he, he's wide he awake. He says at the end, he's awake now. He's wide awake. Okay. I don't know. Well, I can't remember. What, we don't have to watch context. it now. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Thanks, Jesse. I just spoiled it. <laughs> um, but Emma Shyamalan, uh, 1999, he did uncredited rewrites for She's All That and has a co-credit for the st- screenplay for Stuart Little, which is strange. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot yeah, that movie a, existed. That's a fun little, that's a fun little movie. I remember liking that a lot when I was a kid. Um, Same. Haven't come back, but... That same year, he writes and directs The Sixth Sense, and on a budget of $40 million, it makes 672.8 total, mm. and is the second highest grossing film of 1999 behind... Titanic? N- 1999. When was Titanic? 97. 1999, there's a huge movie that comes out. What is it? 10 points, whoever gets it. It was the biggest movie in the world in 1999. Godzilla by Matthew Broderick. <laughs> That's 97. <laughs> 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 Come on, you got what's funny is that you all Are know you, this. I'm sure all I know this. do. We've Wait, already we done did, Oh, did the Phantom Menace. There it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So think of that. The sixth sense was the second biggest deal in the world behind Star Wars Episode One. Wow. Isn't that insane? Yeah, that is insane. That is that is a big deal, yeah. And it gets nominated for Best Picture, and he gets nominated for Best Screenplay and Best Director that year. Like, that's crazy. And it makes sense that after that's out, he has this little script called Unbreakable that he gives Walt Disney Studios a first look at. They buy it from him for $5 million. 
He completes writing it during post-production of The Sixth Sense, gets Willis on board because he's working with him. Willis mm-hmm. pitches it to Samuel L. Jackson. They come on board. Shyamalan gets another $5 million for directing it. It's insane. It's crazy. That's amazing. <laughs> That's how you do it, though. And that one that one was made for significantly more money, $75 million, and only got $248 million. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> But it's also amazing to think that Unbreakable made $250 million. <laughs> Uh, but this this one comes right after that. It signs 2002, budget of 72 million, makes 408. Again, th- these are these are insane numbers for these slow moving PG-13 dramas, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone went to see them. Like they were they're huge. They're they're family friendly, but also great for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's just like what a weird snapshot into a culture that I don't even recognize anymore. Yeah. I don't know who would be turning out to go see like, oh, I heard I heard there's this cool movie coming out. It's not related to anything at all. It's a completely original work. Let's all go see it. As a, as a culture, let's all go see it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was when word of mouth meant more rather than uh, franchises. And I don't know. I feel like there's a mass movement in social media to push like one movie at a time. And it's usually a franchise. Yeah. I think the other thing we've lost is the uh, is the trailer guy voice. You know that guy? Oh, in yeah. World, yeah. Wake in up the in the morning <laughs> and there are crop circles in your cornfields. Get ready to experience a whole new level. Size. That's, that's why people aren't going to movies anymore. That was good. Swing away, Meryl. Read PG-13 starts Friday. <laughs> I always love that guy. I always love when he, when he like, yeah. quickly tells you what it's rated and where it's going to be and when. In theaters yeah. now. And you're like, oh, thank you. Good. I, I, now I want to see it now that I know. When, when can I get to it? Oh, now? Right. Where? Right. Anywhere? Anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's in my house. He knows where I live. Oh, that guy was great. I feel like trailers have gotten like super dramatic and they tell you everything about what's going to happen in the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really but, annoying. Yeah. I want to hear in a world where this is the case. That's what I want to know in my movies. Like who's here? Who can I root for? And what is this weird place that they're going to present to me? That guy captured that within a world. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we just have David Sims just saying, like, what if there was a movie about signs? <laughs> <laughs> but this movie, Signs, uh, starred Mel Gibson, which at this point, you know, there's there's a big part of your reason why it made so much money. That guy commanded a lot back in the day. Um, he's obviously the best picture and director winner of Braveheart 1996 and is now the current nominee for best director for Hacksaw Ridge, which just puzzles the hell out of me. But he was a megastar of the 80s. In current time, has maybe come to uh, come to some ruin. Um, for some poor yeah. actions on his part. Yep. But this is 2002, and we're not there yet, as sad as that time will be. Um, but he gets a start in projects such as Mad Max and previous episode Gallipoli. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, which came yeah. first, Gallipoli or Mad Max? Uh, Mad Max, I think. Really? Yeah. Oh. Mad Max is 79. I think Gallipoli is 80, 81. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think um, that's right. Yeah. But that's all in Australia, way out there in the bush. Mm. But he becomes one of the biggest stars in the world with Lethal Weapon, Hamlet, Braveheart, Maverick, and What Women Want. They all made tons and tons and tons of money. And we, we just couldn't get enough of Mel Gibson as a world. This is a really cool year for him, too, doubling up on Signs and We Were Soldiers. Oh, I love We Were Soldiers. It's a really good movie. Yeah. That's just crazy. Both I haven't seen that in a long time. That is crazy. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a very, very long time. But I want to go back and watch that one. 
I remember does, it's like it, does crazy it violent. Really? I thought I remember it being really violent. I saw it when I was much I, younger. I remember it. I watched it fairly recently. I don't know if it holds up, but I've got like so much nostalgia for it that I will love it every time I see it. For some reason, it was the one violent movie that my mom would let me watch when I was a teenager. Mm. And don't know why, because it was pretty violent still. But dude, like the end of it, there's like the Irish song that's playing as they're lifting everyone off in the helicopters. All oh, right. And that was oh, changed my life. Changed my life. I love that scene. I have to say, I was shocked for your birthday episode that you chose to do zombies and not war movies. You know, I thought about <laughs> it. I thought about it. And I was like, you know what? I want to shock Vito. <laughs> you did a really good job. Because I thought I was going to have to watch Patton. <laughs> I'm saving that one. I was yeah. like, you're going to make me watch Patton in the longest day, aren't you? You bastard. Great. <laughs> next year. Great. Next year. Stick around, guys. We'll be doing longest day next year. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Will I be here? That's the question. <laughs> But with those actions that we did, we did call out without if that had not happened, if we had a sliding doors moment where Mel Gibson had not did not hold these viewers or do these terrible things that he did, he would be kind of the king dad actor because of all his projects. And it's it's just sad he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Bums me out. Any thoughts on Mel before we move on? Yeah, I I really enjoyed his comeback in Daddy's Home, too. <laughs> uh, very good is it is it actually a good movie because like when you say daddy's home too it makes me it not is, want to see it it is exactly what it presents itself to be <laughs> all right can't wait to do that oh, boy. with you jp <laughs> the daddy's home series it's exactly what you think. <laughs> you won't be surprised. <laughs> he plays the badass in that, right? And then is the other the other dad is is like John Lithgow, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it is. It is. It it's surprisingly enjoyable, given how bad it is. How how, <laughs> how about that? There's my review. So you need Adam Sandler glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Okay. I could get on board with that. I just need to be really tired. <laughs> so moving on here, we got Joaquin Phoenix here in a role that was supposed to go to Mark Ruffalo, actually. Oh, interesting. But he had to drop out a week beforehand for surgery. Is this movie better with Ruffalo? Oh, no. all right. Crazy. So Ruffalo had a dream that he got a brain tumor while filming signs. And then he went to the doctor and he had a brain tumor. Hmm. And luckily what? it was benign. But he had it removed, and because of that, he's just like, all right, well, I guess I'm out of production. <laughs> so I went to Joaquin Phoenix instead. You should you should check out Is your dreams, nuts? Mike. <laughs> I have been having it... wild dreams lately since watching Signs. <laughs> wow. No no tumors, though. No, but, That's good. but I was in a Battle Royale squid game type situation. So Nice. Well, was I... it nice? Did you win? I think I died. Oh, well, if, if a man gives you a card, just say no. <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> right, it. It doesn't right. matter how much money he offers you. <laughs> do not play that game. Yeah. <laughs> if he uh, wants to slap you, walk away. So this is right. so you got you guys are of the opinion. This is not better with Ruffalo. No, I don't think so. No, I don't, yeah, no. I don't think so. No, no. I, wow. Yeah. Wow. Do you disagree? I think I might. I think I think I think he might be a little bit better. 
Because I remember when I saw this, but like specifically at this time, when I saw this movie in like 2004 or whatever, I had just recently seen Gladiator. And I remember being really kind of pulled out of the movie a little bit because it was Joaquin Phoenix. And he was so despicable as Commodus. But like Mark Ruffalo is not really known. And he's just like a really sweet guy. And he's got a really human way of expressing himself. It's incredibly uh, sincere. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm torn on this one. But if it's if it's three against one. Uh, well, I, 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 I guess go. I, I guess I'll, I'll speak to that directly. Actually, I, I think it's I think it's because of that that he's so compelling. I, I think it he, he has a kind of edge where you feel like he could be vicious or dangerous or something. And the fact that he's so sweet and not that at all seems to give it an extra dynamic that wouldn't have been there otherwise. And, and his whole, his whole backstory yeah. as a baseball player, right? I, I think it kind of plays into that where, you know, he, he was this great baseball player and, and had this, you know, something happened to his career. Well, I guess he couldn't, uh, he hadn't, didn't have a good batting average, I guess is what happened to his career. But uh, there's, there's, you can't I, swing every time. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't feel right not to. <laughs> so th- there's something about yeah. that where you, you kind of, you, you feel like there's something under the surface that, mm-hmm. that there's something that, that made him, you know, a great baseball player that he's kind of suppressing now this kind of, I, I don't know if it's a rage or something. And so I, I think that that kind of dynamic is something that only walking Phoenix can really bring. Yeah, I think that's a great way of saying it because I think I think Ruffalo definitely has the sweetness. He definitely has like the the nice younger brother aspect to him. But like I yeah, whenever I see Mark Ruffalo, I don't think like subtlety and that what you're describing is something very subtle. I kind of I, I would think that he'd play a little more cheesy than Joaquin Phoenix does. I, I agree. <clears throat> I wonder if it's like just because this movie has become a part of who I am. Um, mm. you know, like this movie That's, is yeah. like with all of us, we saw this movie, not the one with Mark Ruffalo when we were right, kids, right, it was the right. first movie like this that we saw. So I wonder about that, but, but I also agree. I, Joaquin Phoenix has like the ability to be weird in a way that I don't think Mark Ruffalo does. And also just to like expand, uh, that tells you something about Mel Gibson's character too, that they're brothers and, and they come from the same background and there's clearly a, a big age difference, but like it, it lends more credence to sort of an underlying rage, which within Mel Gibson, the preacher, um, mm. which I think yeah. is, is amazing. Uh, yeah. And wouldn't have been there maybe with, with Ruffalo. I don't know if rage is the right word, but he's, like, he's got some anger issues. Yeah. I think that's, I think that is the right word. I think it is genuine rage that they're bottling up, but it never fully comes out. So it's hard to name it as rage because it doesn't look like rage. The closest he gets to rage is he goes, stop crying, which is just me every day, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Well argued. Well argued. I, I, I concede. But yes! in, in 2002, Phoenix was really rising. I was very proud of that when I typed it out. This afternoon. Oh, there it is. Um, oh, that's good. The Phoenix rising. Uh, so he's on TV a ton in the 80s and was really in his brother's shadow. River was, was going to be the new, the biggest star in the world. And he, he passed much, much too early. But 
he's doing a lot of good work for himself, even despite that personal tragedy being in, of course, Gladiator in 2000 and everything. But he just continues making really weird choices. He's always made strange movie choices, but he he works really hard. Uh, so between uh, 1995 and 2005, he does 17 movies what? in 10 years. And Signs is four off from 17. He works a lot. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. And wow. they're all they're all bizarre choices too. Yeah. Like almost none of them are straight down the middle. They're all like he's an eight millimeter with Nick Cage. Like he chooses weird, grimy, dark movies. And I think that's why for a long time people had a really hard time with him because it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're handsome, but not conventionally so. You're striking and talented, but completely uninterested in doing something nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he still does it. But um, as for his career currently, he is a man that play, has played Jesus, Johnny Cash, and the Joker. And that, that tells you just about everything else you need to know about him. Love this guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, that is a, a crazy range. Yeah. It's it's too much. It's it's too much to the point where you look at it and like, what are you trying to prove? Yeah. <laughs> but for the, the last two people I have rounding out our cast as the kids, we have Rory Culkin and Abigail Breslin. Rory Culkin is one of the three Culkins who are all acting. Uh, the other two being Macaulay and Kieran. Uh, you know, Macaulay, Richie Rich, Home Alone, previous episode. Mm -hmm. But then uh, Kieran, you know, he's chewing it up on Succession right yeah, now. Yeah, he's doing great. <laughs> doing amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would have looked at Scott Pilgrim's gay roommate and been like, you are going to you are gonna destroy HBO when you, when you get up there. I never would have thought that. Yeah, but he is, the Scott Pilgrim's gay roommate is definitely the right guy to play yeah. whatever his name is in Succession. I forget it. Yeah. But kind of amazing. Uh, Rory, though, he does he does work. He's around. He got this movie because Sha Shyamalan saw him in the movie You Can Count On Me by Kenneth Lonergan with Mark Ruffalo. That's why he wanted the two of them together, because they had such good chemistry. Um, and Abigail Breslin is six years old here, only has a Toys R Us commercial to her name. And since this movie, she's been Oscar nominated for Little Miss Sunshine as the Little Miss Sunshine. I hate that movie. Does anyone else... Do, I hate Little that Miss movie Sunshine. so much. You hate that movie. I hate that movie. I, I, when I saw it, I hated it as well. Yeah. It disgusts me. It, and I don't understand her nomination for this either. It, she's a really good actress, but I hate, I hate that. I'll never revisit that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't ever been able to go back to it either. Yeah. Not a fan. But then also she did Zombieland, Rango, Augusta Sage <laughs> County, and, uh, and Stillwater. And Jesse, would you like to tell us what you think about Stillwater? You know, I'm just going to say this is a dad podcast and Stillwater is definitely about about a dad. I, I would recommend that people see it. And she's uh, she's in it. It was weird to see her as an adult because I'd just seen signs and then I saw Stillwater. It's like, oh, you have grown up, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> she saw the same face, but oh, man, it was it was kind of creepy. It kind of threw me off for a bit. But yeah, she's good in it. She's become a full a full blown actress, man. But yeah, I I really I don't I don't know what to think of Stillwater though. Like I I recommend that people see it, and I think I really liked it. I just I need time to like process what on earth just happened there. I see, JP. Yeah. Um, when Jesse says when Jesse recommends a movie in that fashion, does that does that scream that you need to go see it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me. I usually, I usually I, I end up. I usually way. end up going to see them, or or not going to see them. I usually end up like seeing them on my streaming, and I'm like, oh look, Jesse said 
that about that movie uh might as well have an opinion about it too i guess (laughs) (laughs) you know okay i gotta say i i recommend that people see it if you are somebody who watches movies like a place beyond the pines and really likes that and says oh yeah i really like that i really want to enjoy it and i would love a recommendation that makes me feel sad in that way then see Stillwater. That is, that's a good pitch. Well put. Yeah. I I, I always want to feel sad in that way, actually. Place Beyond the Pines is amazing. Yeah, in that way, I get in that way in particular. Maybe I have, at least with echoes of that, I I felt, I feel sad after seeing Stillwater. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. maybe before the end of the year, I'll I'll, I'll try and get to it. Last people, I, I last person, I really two people I wanted to mention here is uh, M Night showing up as predictably the worst actor in any movie that he makes. Um, he's <laughs> Ray Ready here. If you ever wanted to watch Mel Gibson act alongside of a wooden plank, that happens in this movie. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> I don't know how that wood plank is driving a car, but he does. That was too mean, but also he made me angry. And then the other guy I wanted to mention is Michael Showalter as Lionel Pritchard. Did you guys recognize Michael Showalter? The director and writer of Wet Hot American Summer is Lionel oh. Richard. Oh, wow. <laughs> he did look familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I was shocked. That's bizarre. I was like, why are you here? <laughs> like last year, like the year previous to this, he did Wet Hot American Summer, which is amazing. And then you're just going to be in signs for a scene? <laughs> Sorry. Just, yeah. just blew it's my bizarre. mind. I do love that cameo, though. That's that's a great scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, shocked me, but that that's what I got for cast and crew. And if we want to move maybe over into nostalgia here, Ooh. as our guest JP, would you like to to start us off? Sure. Yeah. Well, I, in terms of nostalgia, the the thing that the thing that really jumped out at me was was just, I mean, even how the movie starts off. Right. It feels like. Feels like we're getting into one of the, one of your classic nineteen fifties alien movies. Just just you know, the art of the opening, the title credits, and the lettering. The yeah. Letter, yeah, yeah. Gosh, I mean, that's. I mean, I feel like that sets the tone really, really well. I what I, what I love just about the opening though is is it just jumps right into it. Um, you know, it, it delivers on the. You know, as they say, the the promise of the premise, you know, within like, I mean, within the first 60 seconds, right? I mean, the movie is called Signs (laughs) and you get those crop circles within a minute of that of that movie starting. (laughs) I mean, that is satisfying. Yeah. Like, thank you. If only more movies did that, you know? It's like if you, uh, if you never saw a trailer, but the movie starts like, what's this about? Signs. Oh, look, it's a sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does jump right in. I really like that. When you when you saw this, though, did you see it in theaters? No. And I I remember when it came out because I saw the the trailers on commercials or whatever, but I, I never actually saw it in theaters. I, I just you know saw it some years later on, on TV or something or DVD, I guess. But OK. To me, this is an important question. Were you a youngster elementary school student or like a high school student when you saw it? Um, I, I was probably in college when I think I think when I first saw it. I think I was in college. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so when I when I uh, rewatched it for this for this podcast, I think that was I 
think that was only my second time. Definitely third time tops watching this movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Did, did you yeah. watch it with John? I I'd probably, probably, or, or Phil or, or one of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay. Nice. Well, uh, we'll have to get, we'll have to get John on the horn. He's supposed to actually be on an episode soon and maybe he can, he can tell us the first time. That'd be fun. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Jesse, how, how about you then? Were you in elementary school? Were you, were you in diapers when you saw this for the first Absolutely time? Absolutely. I was in diapers. Yeah. <laughs> Adult diapers. Oh, oh, he's Lord. never been out of them. <laughs> the same pair. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> it got gross. <laughs> it's a septic tank. I just wear a septic tank. <laughs> That's what it'd have to be. Um, no more ice cream before shots <laughs> for you. Like I don't know what it did to you. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I was uh how old was I? I was ten when this came out? Two thousand two? Yeah. Yeah, so I, w- I would be ten. I saw this in theaters. This Holy was super, shit, really? This was super exciting. Yeah. So, like, I wasn't really allowed to watch horror movies. So I'd never seen a scary movie. And then my my siblings were all talking about seeing this one. It was a big deal because they had seen A Sixth Sense and Unbreakable in theaters. And I had always wanted to see both those movies because everybody was talking about The Sixth Sense. But it was apparently too scary for me. And... Unbreakable was about superheroes. So I was super jealous of my older siblings and my dad all going out to watch this one. So I remember, like, they're all getting ready to, to go out to the theaters, watch a movie. I was, like, kind of being left behind. I think my dad turns around and is just like, Jesse, do you want to go? Yes. Yes, I want to go. Yes, I want to be there. I want to experience this. This is amazing. And then, like, you know, of course, my mom has to give the approval. So I have to go over to my mom. My mom's like, ah, well... Will, are, are you going to, like, have nightmares? Are you going to, like, call me in the middle of the night? I was like, no, of course I won't. Of course I won't do that. After <laughs> and I was like, I promise. No, no, no. It won't, be, it won't be too scary. I'll be fine. It'll be great. Yeah. And then I, I yeah. So I, I'm there in the theaters, 10 years old. The, that sequence comes up that JP is talking about. I'm like, oh, man, shit's about to get real. Shit's going to get real. There are going to be real aliens here. And then when they, when you see them briefly, it scares the shit out of me. Like I was shitless when you see him on the like home recording, and then like when the hands pop out from underneath the doors, that did give me nightmares. I had a hard time going to sleep that night because I kept on envisioning hands coming over the side of my bed to grab me. Yeah, oh, that was it. Was an intense experience to me. And what's funny is like over the years, I've talked to a lot of like just random people. Like if we're ever talking about like horror movies, signs usually comes up. Like up in talking with coworkers or talking like with uh with like random groups of people as like somebody's first experience with horror movies in theaters as well. This is really cool. Yeah. So nice. I I feel like I have like shared nostalgia with like random people who I I don't have much overlap in movies with. And I think that's really awesome. Wow. Wow. That's really cool. Did you see it in theaters, Mike? I did not see it in theaters. I think I was probably like thirteen when I saw it. And we watched it at home. So it was like a year or two after it had come out. And uh, man, I have this distinct memory. So I think we were there with like our family friends. But in my mind, every girl that I ever liked in high school is in this room. And I have this vivid memory of where when the hand comes out of, of the like the grate, the coal grate in the basement and the kids there standing right in front of it. 
and screaming like a very small girl. <laughs> and every single person in the room turned at me. Like everyone was scared, but they were more scared of me because I was terrified. I was terrified of that hand. <laughs> <laughs> and so in my mind like everyone that i've ever known is in that room and and just knows about that moment it's like the most embarrassing moment of my life but also an incredible moment because i realized like scary things can't hurt me mm. necessarily like some of them mm. can but i got out of that alive so it was great you did yeah, yeah. My, mike if, yeah. if... <laughs> Mike, if it gives you any um, any consolation or closure, you, you probably made the movie experience just that much better for the for all of them, you know, because because when you yeah, watch they all have the story to tell. Yeah. I mean, when you watch a horror movie with with somebody who is really terrified of horror movies and reacts very loudly, it's like a 4D experience. You know, it's it's just <laughs> 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 it's true every single person like screamed in succession after me it was like i screamed and the next person the person next to me screamed and the next person you know I mean, the person you, next to is like is like who peed on me <laughs> yeah, i mean you were <laughs> scarier than crush. the movie in that moment mike you were you were the scariest thing people happening said right that, then. people said that a lot in my childhood <laughs> you, you were definitely you were definitely the scariest thing in in my viewing of in the heights so when we watched in the heights listen back earlier this year i, I watched it with mike and there's a scene in there where two characters dance on the side of a building in this magical realism moment now mike had briefly fallen asleep and he woke up during this scene and was so disproportionately stressed out by this scene. I felt like just like contemptible watching you. You're like, they're going to fall. I was like, what the f*** are you talking about? They're going to fall. They're dancing. <laughs> you were worried the whole time. Were you, I don't even know if you were awake. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. I was like, what is what is happening? Like, the movie changed drastically in the five minutes I slept through. <laughs> you were so scared, though. It was very stressful. <laughs> I just really put myself into the, the things that I experience. I'm an experiencer of art. That's what it is. <laughs> art. I love art. <laughs> Michael Forsythe. I love art. <laughs> wow. That's that's a great that's a great first time story though. I'm sorry yeah. that happened to you. No, no, it was okay. Yeah. Like like it it I'm I'm married happily to a woman who was not in that was room. Not there. And my memory does not include her in that room. It's great. Just your nightmares. <laughs> yeah. It's all those other people. But if she nice. actually was. <laughs> it would have been a sign then. Oh! Man. What about you, Vito? What's your nostalgia? Actually, pretty close to yours, close to the time of it. Anyway, yeah. like I think I saw this when I was thirteen or fourteen at home. This was a movie that my parents really liked, and they both showed it to me. They're really excited to show it to me. My mom, I think, still says this is the scariest movie she's seen. All my siblings agree as well because they're all weenies, <laughs> all of them to a T. And so it was pitched to me like that. Mom said, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. And I was like, oh, okay. And she showed it to me. And it, it was definitely creepy. You know, it, it creeped me out. But I've never really been scared of aliens. Yeah. They've never scared me in any way. And so when I was watching it and there was an alien, I was like, oh, okay. You know, but it, like... Was I creeped out at parts of it? Yeah. Yeah, I was. But I don't 
it wasn't. It your, just wasn't that scary. I don't know. Was it your introduction? Yeah. So for me, it was like definitely my introduction to scary movies. It's not. Though. I guess I'd it's, seen like Alfred not, Hitchcock. Though. You know why? Like, why? Because we all three admitted that it was Scooby Doo <laughs> on <laughs> Zombie <laughs> Island that was our first horror movie, and that's way <laughs> scarier than this. <laughs> But you leave that and you're like, I'm not supposed to be scared of this, right? Mm. Wait, uh, wait, that was I, that was I, your first scary movies. movie too? Zombie Island, Scooby Doo? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dude. Was it yours? Yes. Yes. I was freaked <laughs> out. That's amazing. <laughs> when that when that girl like grew those like devil ears or whatever the hell that was, like that was like that was it, man. I was I was tripping. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool this is two weeks in a row where our guest is like because last week it was jude and jude was like oh yeah that's the scariest movie i've ever seen and now <laughs> wow how many of us watch this there's like an I army of people I feel and none like, of us have talked about it we're all just like i, I so never i never would have brought up this movie, movie as long as i live if you hadn't mentioned <laughs> this now <laughs> I forgot it existed until last week, and then I just remembered. I just remembered a lot of stuff, a lot of terrible things. Truth be told, though, I don't think I've seen the whole thing. I think I've only seen parts to this day. I see. I, I don't think I'm ever going to go back. No, I'm, unless I'm gonna... we do a whole episode on Scooby Doo and Zombie Island. No, I, I will. I will fully admit I was carried out of the room, like crying, when I watched this movie. <laughs> And I have not returned to it since. That was a scary movie. <laughs> you, you were born away from it. And they were like, shield the child. Shield the child. <laughs> I think you you were like six. So yeah, that makes sense. I was I was like I was like six as well. I was very, yeah. I was very scared. But like the, but what, what I mean is that I, I've seen this movie. I, I kid you not, I've seen signs probably 30 times. Probably for like a, a stupid number. Wow. Of times. Yeah. Um, I know it very, very, very well, inside and out. And I, I, I honestly can't remember how scared I was the first time. I really yeah. can't because I've seen this movie so many times. And I didn't watch it for the scares. Yeah, I find it interesting for actually, like, it, it's the, it's one of the more interesting horror movies to the to the point where I, I just neglect the horror part of it just entirely. Like, I could just fast forward through the, the, the mm. alien stuff. Like, yeah. I'm not interested in this. Like, take this away from me. Get me the drama. I like the drama here. Like, this could work without aliens almost. Like, yeah. if there was a tornado, yeah. I think this could still work. Yeah. If there was no aliens, just a tornado. Because the, the family drama is so good. Yeah. That was my nostalgia uh, for it. Actually, okay, wait. To this point, and also to bring up a little bit of a different nostalgia that's very strange. But, like, with everybody sitting around and just, like, watching the TV and being really scared... It reminds me a lot of 9-11 and yeah. given the fact yeah. this is only a yeah. year later that that was still on my mind. So like, yeah. it's like I understood that whole vibe perfectly. So I don't mm -hmm. really want this to be a tornado movie because or else I would lose that. And that my nostalgia is definitely tied to that, too. Sure. I was I was just saying that the the. The, the family the, drama is possible outside of the context of aliens. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I do agree with that part. I just I, I don't. I, I like the alien and the the global disaster vibe. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too. I was realizing it's definitely, I mean, like in so many ways, it's a snapshot of the time, but like the daughter is watching Dexter's laboratory. Oh yeah. Um, mm. Which is just like, it's, I, I watched Dexter's laboratory. The smartest boy you've ever seen. So, <laughs> so much fun. They don't make, they don't make cartoons like they used to. 
Do you remember the Mandark one where he's just him and it's <laughs> he has an annoying laugh. It's like, and, like everything he does is just that the entire episode. Like he's yeah. brushing his teeth like. <laughs> I remember being annoyed by that. I was like a kid and I was like, this is enough. This is too this much. Is enough. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking that too, but still laughing. Still laughing. Yeah. Or the omelet du fromage. Yeah, yeah, that got stuck in my head for a long time. <laughs> do you remember that? It was like I the whole episode, just, they just said omelet du fromage. It's like the whole reason there's the meme about it is because oh, of this episode of Dexter's Laboratory. Oh, yeah. 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 You thought that existed. The original trolls. Yeah. That's good. But, sorry, uh, but move, I, Mike, sorry, I, I cut you off. You said you were no. saying like, yeah, she was watching Dexter's Lab. Oh, yeah, no. And, and just like... They have a TV that, like, you go up and you turn the dials on and stuff. Like, it's just... I lost the remote. Yeah. <laughs> just change it on the TV. I don't know how to change it on the TV anymore. Like, there is something there. My wife knows how to do it. I need the remote. You know? It's... If I don't have the remote, I guess I'm not watching TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on, on my TV, you need the remote or else you can't control it. Yeah. Yeah. Uncontrollable. Yeah. I need to buy a new one from Amazon. It's like, oh, shit. We lost... We can't watch TV anymore. It's terrible. Mine, mine terrible. has a thing where I can like download an app to my phone, and then that that's <laughs> that's the remote. So you never lose it because you have your phone. Oh, that's yeah, kind of helpful. That's kind of smart. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but using that nostalgia and jumping forward, when slash if we're going to show this to Ooh, our kids, yes, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll just start and say I definitely will. Like between twelve and fourteen, it's perfect, perfect time. You'll you'll really get in there. I hope I won't have messed my daughter's brain up. She can be really scared at this. I'd love it if she was scared at this. Because it's it's a it's a good movie to be scared to, but yeah, definitely gonna do it. Very proud to do it. I think it's a very very good movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Twelve to fourteen for sure. It's scary. It's not too scary. It's a great entry level horror movie, horror classic. Probably even more than than a Quiet Place was. Um, I feel like this mm, comes before yeah. Quiet Place for sure. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And it's also just like such a strong. Strong family movie about so many really beautiful things on top of being about awesome aliens who could want to kill you and turn you into something. I don't know. I don't know. Their plan is very Very difficult (laughs) to understand. (laughs) Yeah. Their plan sucks. And they have like poison needles in their wrists that emit a gas. They don't stab with the needle. It's like a bad perfume that they squirt on you. This is a bad evolution. Yeah. They're really fast unless they're fighting you. And then they're super slow. Super slow. I don't understand. Yeah. Let, let, I don't want to jump right, ahead. I don't want to jump Jesse, ahead. <laughs> are you going to show this to your kids? Yeah. Yeah, I got to show this to my kids. I'll probably show them. Like, I was 10 when I saw it. I know me personally, I, I was able to handle that. Maybe, depending on how sensitive my kids are and what they're like, uh, I'll probably show them around the same age. Like, I, I was fine and probably, I think this is one of those movies that I saw at, like, just the right age where it was able to challenge me, you know, evolve my taste and broaden it, but also, like, just be on the cusp of understanding that there are these big themes and I didn't know it all yet. Like, if, if I had been younger, I don't think I would have gotten the whole family drama, which it was important, but since I was 10, I was able to be old enough to accept that. Yeah, uh, I think... I think 10 is a good good age. Cool. And yourself, JP? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I It definitely is a, is a good um, early adolescent movie. I really just, I wish I had seen it at that age. I think I would have, would have gotten a lot more out of it. It's it's um, 
it, it feels on par with the with the kind of you know like Indiana Jones or something like that. It's just the right it's just the right blend of um, you know drama and suspense and you know a little just just a, a flavor of horror in there that that's enough for that that age to really get you fired up. No, that that would be. <laughs> I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to yeah showing that to my yeah. kids when they're <laughs> when they get to that age. I nice. never would have said signs and Indiana Jones in the same breath, but now that we're talking about like childhood experiences, I th- I think I kind of see it. Like, Absolutely, yeah, I have like similar like views in my mind now that I think about it of like both of those movies, like of way back in the day, of especially like uh, Temple of Doom. He's like reaching yeah. and grabbing the heart, yeah, yanks that thing yep. out, yep. Uh, yeah, yep. yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah, same sort of vibe, yeah. Nice. That's a good call. I like that call. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm, I'm glad that we're all, we're all agreed here. Got, got about the same age range. Yeah. I like it. One mind. Um, we'll go in and maybe into some of our favorite scenes. Now, this is actually, speaking of something suspenseful, I'm very in suspense because we have a Google Doc in front of us, ladies and gentlemen, and under fave scenes, no one has filled out anything. So I don't know what anyone is going to pick. It's a wild card. Uh, Mike, you do you want to draw first blood? All right, I'll draw first blood. Uh, my favorite scene is I'm weighing two. Uh, my favorite scene is the scene on the couch after the kids have fallen asleep, mm. and Mel Gibson oh, and yeah. Joaquin Phoenix are talking about signs. Yeah, they're talking about themes of the movie. In fact, you know they're kind of going back and forth, and at a certain point, Joaquin Phoenix he's he's telling his older brother like I'm scared. I'm scared of what's going to happen. And uh, Mel Gibson says, well, you know, there's two types of people in the world. There's those who believe everything is just luck and you're on your own. And there's people who believe that, you know, those lucky breaks aren't lucky breaks. There's no such things as, as, as coincidence. And which type of person are you? Joaquin Phoenix tells the best story I've ever heard <laughs> to prove the existence of God. Like, it's amazing. It's just, it's just great. But then, you know, Mel Gibson turns around and says, basically, he, he you know, he no longer believes in science. He no longer believes in coincidence. It's a really, I think it's just a beautiful scene. You know, the kids are like leaning all over them and, and asleep and the TV's on. And I feel like I've had conversations like that with people, you know, like in the blue light of the screen is uh, half the people around us are asleep or something. And, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's imprinted on my mind from then, from that moment forward uh, as something that, was was deeply meaningful yeah there's other scenes that have imprinted themselves in my mind too but that one is is i i think i think that's the best scene that Shyamalan's ever made quite just quite frankly really i don't i don't think he's ever topped it that is for for me pound for pound the way it's shot obviously from tak fujimoto who knows what he's doing yeah the dialogue though man and the way that they're playing off of each other yeah it's very real they're brothers. Like you believe yeah. it. You believe they know each other well. Yeah. But and also there's distance. Like they're adults. Yeah. And, and he is, and you can see, you know, Mel, Mel in that scene uh, has anger, his oh, real yeah. anger. Mm-hmm. And it's just behind his eyes. And you see Joaquin is kind of confused by that. Kind of like in real time. Yeah. Wondering what's going on and, and trying to, to bridge the gap and he can't do it. That was actually, that was actually my, my pick as well. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Oh, well, well, but it's actually, cool. like stuff that uh, we were talking about earlier too, I think that you see there the difference in the two characters as well that with Joaquin Phoenix, it's not so much that he's angry, like there's anger there, but it's more, I think, born out of fear and that he's kind of essentially. I was saying that Mel Gibson was angry. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, sorry, but we had said earlier that like they both sort of have oh, this rage uh, that plays off yeah. against each other. And there's anger in Joaquin Phoenix, but it's more anger at himself, maybe, um, mm-hmm. that he wasn't able to to get what he wanted, and like fear that he'll never be, amount to anything or be like his big brother. And, and yeah. yeah, Mel Gibson is so clearly angry. Yeah, I kind of like the idea that Joaquin Phoenix is is angry at himself. Like his character arc almost seems to be to like fully grow up because he seems kind of childish at the beginning in some mm. ways. Uh, but then like at the, at the end when he's able to confront Graham, right. When he's able yeah, to confront right. Graham and it's like, I don't ever want to see you like that again. Yeah. Like finally he's not angry at himself. He's recognizing a fault in the man that he's idolized and that he's trying mm-hmm. so hard to become. And uh, he has taken on the role of the, the true man of the house in some ways. And the savior. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's yeah, that's good. Yeah, and actually that scene, that scene as well, just going back to nostalgia, like and talk about imprinting. Yeah, it's that scene is like the scene that convinced me that I talked to my dad a lot about. Uh, we talked about that scene quite a bit when I was growing up. Yeah, it definitely convinced me that uh, I don't believe in coincidences. Hmm. Doesn't make sense to in my mind. It makes more sense to believe that in my mind, it makes more sense to believe that things have a point. Even hmm. if that point is something I just made up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's nice to find meaning, even if that meaning maybe isn't there. In reality, it's nice to find it in your head. Yeah, it gives it gives purpose, as opposed to flailing around for luck. Hmm. I love I love that scene. It's a beautiful scene. Hmm. I rewound it a yeah. couple times last night. Yeah. Anyway, um, Jesse, what's your what's yours? Like Mike, I'm also like weighing between between two. All right, it's maybe it's like the whole sequence. I'd say the sequence from when they start having dinner to when they go down to the basement. Oh yeah, yeah. Ah. Uh, that whole sequence is, I, I think, pretty crazy. Like, so they have like their last supper, you know. When <laughs> Mel Gibson is like convinced that they're all just gonna die, and they've been boarding up the house, and he just stops everything and just asks everybody what they want, what they want for dinner. And instead of defending their house, like boarding everything up, they stop and they just prepare a massive feast. And then they're, they're all... all gonna die. No one's gonna do the dishes, you know. Yeah, like right. it's a perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, who cares? Um, and. <laughs> Yeah, when I was when I was a kid, that really that scene really confused me. It was just like, what, why why does he just want to have like it's really good dinner right now? Yeah. Uh, but like, man, that it's it's so sad. It's it's almost so sad and and like understandable. Like as a father, to like want your kids to experience something good before you think everybody's gonna die. Yeah, I'd, maybe I'd want to do that too. Although yeah. I would I would have questions for my. I would have questions on how I was raising my children if one of them chose mashed potatoes and pancakes. There would be there would be some questions later on. What, are you kidding me? That's <laughs> like if you could just have anything like thrown together, like mashed potatoes and pan. That's basically hash browns and pancakes. Yeah. That's basically hash browns. And you're, you're gonna go to your death just loaded <laughs> down with starch, just like unable to move. <laughs> just That's like, like I hop. Way to die. Give me that chicken teriyaki. Meryl had it right. Chicken teriyaki sounds amazing. Yeah. No. Um, but this, yeah. The, the tension, but, the tension of that yeah. scene is is really incredible. When they get to the basement, and you know he's up against the door, and you see the the handle, you know, yeah. start to wiggle. And then his hand goes over it and Mel Gibson's like giant paw <laughs> grabs that yeah. handle. He's like, I'm not ready. Not yeah. ready. But yeah, the entire build up to that, like there's a whole dinner table scene and then they like Graham just starts. She just breaks down crying. Um, and then the son like gets up and just hugs him. You know, the son that's been like hating him the entire movie. 
just yeah. realizes that his father is broken and maybe he just needs some love right now. And then they have the group hug that he drags Meryl into. And then they continue yeah. again, to board again with his yeah. giant paw. Oh man. And then there's a, a yeah, then they continue to board up the house and then Mel Gibson just starts like listing off their birth stories to his to his children. Ugh. Again, if you have last words to your kids, those are good last words. Yeah, and he's not even like they're being surrounded right now. Like that scene always haunted me as a kid, right? Like you can see the shadows of these aliens. You you can hear the banging on on the walls and the windows and he doesn't care. He just wants to tell his kids like something good before they all die. Yeah. 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 It's uh, really strong. Yeah. yeah. That's a beautiful scene. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What do, what do you think, JP? At the risk of sounding shallow right now, well, here's here's what I'll do. I'll I'll start by saying I I prefer both of those scenes that you guys mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But 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 I, I will I will name my own scene now. What what I thought was I don't know if it's my favorite, but it was it was really funny. Was was at the beginning right where um where Joaquin Phoenix you know at get gets Mel Gibson to go out with him and and you know chase the intruder and yes <laughs> yeah and, yeah and and yeah. to me the best part of that scene is Mel Gibson tries to act like he doesn't know what crazy is and he says wait explain explain act crazy <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you have and then you have the next you remember you and lethal weapon just do that right 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 yeah, yeah. And so then you have the next two minutes of Mel Gibson doing a bad impersonation of himself. And it's, it's just, it's just <laughs> excellent. Yeah. I'm out of my mind with rage. <laughs> I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> I cursed. I did it. I cursed. I did it. I did it. Oh, Yeah. When I said I was between two scenes, it was either the dinner sequence or or that scene. <laughs> okay, okay, all right, good. Yeah. That, I, ma- that makes I, me feel better because th- those are yeah. the two that I was like, okay, which one am I going to say? And then you picked the dinner one, so I was like, all right, I guess I guess I'm going with Mel Gibson. <laughs> crazy, you know? I guess we're doing that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Weird thing about that scene, right? It, the whole scene starts out with Bo coming up and saying, "Daddy, there's a monster outside my window. Can I have a glass of water?" I love it. It's and, like one yeah. sentence. Like, yeah. It's like, yes, that is a little kid saying something to you in the middle of the night right there. Uh, in the theaters and now, like, watching it on a higher quality, like, you can see the alien. Yeah. But yeah. Back when you had, when I had this on DVD, I couldn't really see an alien out there. And that was I, weird. You needed, you needed to see it 30 times. I remember really? distinctly pausing it because, yep. like, like we were Pause going, game, baby. Pause we were going game. so many of that. I saw the alien, yeah. and we were like, "What? There's an actual." Or I saw the monster. We were like, yeah. "There's an actual monster." Because we're watching this in real time, doing what they're doing, right? Like, yeah. At, at thirteen, none of us know what this movie is about, yeah. and we're like, "Oh, you know, it's probably like whoever made the crop circles. It's like Lionel or whatever, right, right. Wolfington yeah. Brothers." Yeah, I hear that yeah. one more time. <laughs> the Wolfington yeah. Brothers. <laughs> Can I ask? Let me ask really quick. Uh, since you mentioned it, the the water is that a good Chekhov's gun? Is that a Chekhov's gun at all? Oh, I, yes. It is. Yeah. 
and it I, sucks I, ass. I, I think there's also a bat. Okay, okay a good. Chekhov's bat. Uh, this, this, like Chekhov's asthma. And also Chekhov's asthma. Yeah. It's just Chekhov. It's Chekhov everything. Because there's no coincidences. Che- Chekhov's TV. Everything means something. <laughs> Chekhov's TV. like, look, everything is meaningful. Everything. The dust is meaningful. Yes, we get it. We get it, Shyamalan. Yes, it's exhausting when you point out how much means how much everything means everything. Okay. Yeah. Also, why 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 are aliens coming to a planet that is majorly water? It's mostly water. Mostly water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, you know, and also, could 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 a movie this good has a movie ever been this good that ends so badly? That final face-off between Meryl and the alien in the house, it's like you it's like a totally different movie. Yeah. It's like the whole thing just ground right to a stop. And you go like, what the hell is going? Why is this so slow? This is actually a reason I've watched this movie so many times. Because it never made any sense to me that you mm. could 90% land this plane. And the final moment, right before you're about to hit the runway, you just say, f*** it, do a barrel roll. I've never <laughs> seen someone do that with their movie. But they did it here. And I don't get it. I've, I've watched it over and over, like moment to moment, trying to figure out what the thought process is. I think it comes down to the fact that he, he, like he usually does. He did this in the end of Unbreakable too, right? He can't get out of his own way. He can't make something just entertaining without making you see his themes finished up. He needs you to see that he knows his themes and he's going to do it for you to see them all come to a conclusion. And he can't just make something good. Okay, he's wait. Like, I have to show off. I, I need to be very, like, so you're not just talking about Meryl and the aliens fight. You're talking about when they go to the living room, the aliens in there. Right and then there. there's all Both the flashbacks. Yes. Yeah. So when they're flashing back to the couch scene, which, as you pointed out, it's a great scene. It's just like, oh, dude, we, we remember that dialogue. That's we just funny. watched it. <laughs> yes, we just watched it. The I do, most poignant moment, yeah. I do like the flashback to the wife's death. That seemed to hit it all home because the it had been building up to that that particular scene. So that was good payoff. But the rest of that sequence going on a little too long. Yeah, it's just it's really at, chunky. It's just it's then, too everything is too long. You know. Also, like like this didn't make sense to me this time around, right? These aliens go from being like crazy strong acrobats right able to jump onto the roof from the roof to the swing and then they go to uh i don't know being able to be beat beat up by a guy with a bat and being able to be pushed into a pantry (laughs) i know i know wait 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 you're just like shuffling. He's just, you see him like in, in the well, in the reflection, you're just like shuffling. Well, he, he was wounded. He he had his fingers chopped off. Hasn't been since. Or I would be hitting things if I had my fingers chopped off. And also if I was Graham, I would be tackling that thing because Ray had told him he got in a fight and he locked him in the closet. Or yeah. locked him in the pantry, right? So if I was Graham, I would be like struggling to get my kid out from the alien's grasp. Yes. Why, Graham, why are you standing there, man? Why does Meryl have to hit him with the bat? No, no, because you see, Graham has to stand there and make all the connections for us. That, that's why he's there. He's, he's like the surrogate for us to see the grand Shyamalan plan of how uh. he's going to tell us how this all connects. And like, I, I, I don't hate that any one thing is here, but every one thing is much too long. The flashback is much too long. His swing away Meryl comes way too slowly. The alien moving is moving weird and it's like not making a choice to do something. Then all of a sudden it just chooses to use its little poison gas thing in its arm. Like it, uh, it's happening 
in such slow motion that it gives everyone time to go, why is this so slow? Which in a movie that has been very, very much about the quick moment, like the hand coming out from under the door is so fast. Yeah. yeah. Comes out, nails down. Actually, it's in a little bit of slow motion there. It's the first slow motion that we see. No. Yeah. No, when, when the hand chops. comes out from underneath the door, when he, when he chops, that's slow motion. Yeah. Not when the hand oh, comes out, though. Okay. Yeah. They're two separate shots. Because okay. it goes hand, then Mel Gibson, then Mel Gibson scrambling for the knife, and then knife shot. down on finger. Yeah. 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 yeah I got to be careful. Like, seeing this years later, this ending scene does not, it doesn't land for me anymore. Mm -hmm. I still enjoy the movie, but it, yeah, it doesn't quite work. I'm sorry, I really wanted to get that out. It's like, it, it's been building in me for years. <laughs> it's amazing, like, Mel Gibson, he remembers, and then we come back to the present, and then he's, like, staring at the alien, continuing to sit, and then he, like, looks at the bat. Swing away, Meryl. Not like, go get the bat! <laughs> okay, okay, thank you. And then, that was like, yeah. And then Meryl's like... <laughs> yeah. He like looks at the bat. What? Time to get cryptic here. <laughs> remember that one time I told you about my wife's dying words? I'm gonna need you to remember that really quickly and then tie that very quickly with what I need you to do to save my kid. Okay? Get ready. It's three words. <laughs> no, no, it's not get the bat. No, it's not that. It's swing away Meryl. That's what I was gonna say. More syllables. More syllables. And he says it twice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wing away. Like, like the second time he said, it's like, bitch, didn't you just hear me? <laughs> Did I stutter? <laughs> uh, uh, JP, what'd you think of the last scene? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad somebody mentioned the swing away Merrill part, because that was that was the point for me where I was just like restate what you guys just said but but yes i agree a hundred percent with what you just said like like what <laughs> did i feel like i interrupted you before i i started yelling no is it, that it's, the case i don't it's it's fine it's fine you your your yelling was like exactly <laughs> the yelling that i was going to do only it was it was i'm probably, sorry probably better it was better you know it was great. No, you you just you deserved the yell, and I stole the yell. Do you want an opportunity <laughs> to yell? Yeah, I you know I really do actually because like <laughs> like come on like if you know I need somebody to like get a bat and like hit an alien with a bat, <laughs> I'm gonna say get the damn bat. You know, <laughs> like I'm not gonna be like swing away, Meryl. Look, follow my gaze. Follow my follow my suggestive eye flicks over towards the bat on the wall. See my eyes moving. Swing, swing away. We're we're talking very calmly so the alien doesn't hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he doesn't know what we're saying. I mean, yeah. well, it was really important for Mel Gibson to to let to let Meryl know, like, hey, close I believe in God again. Because that was also what he was saying. Yes. Basically. Yes. Maybe talk about that later. <laughs> you got a lot you got a lot of time for that. <laughs> yeah. All right. One I guess one positive note to say about the final scene is you know, the CGI for the alien looks kind of cheesy. But what's kind of cool is he knows that it's going to look cheesy, so he made the alien in the reflection of the TV most of the time. That does to, look good. Yeah. It looks pretty good. And also the room is kind of hazy, so it's harder to see the alien. And then for the final shot of Meryl hitting him with the bat, which takes too long, but it is from the alien's perspective. And that idea is cool. Oh, and the it, water, it, 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 oh, it, water it, coming yeah. down. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's good. Yeah, that's uh, cool. Yeah. 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 
And I think that's a way, a good way of not having to have cheesy CGI in your movie. Yeah. I mean, he, he had a lot of millions of dollars, so I don't know where that all went. (laughs) They, uh, give him pockets. Yeah. (laughs) They made a whole cornfield for this movie, but they had $72 million. (laughs) My neighbors in my small suburb have a whole cornfield in their front front yard since the pandemic. I don't think they spent $72 million on it. And I feel like growing corn is probably not that expensive because then you can sell it all like Christopher Nolan did after Interstellar. Oh, really? really? Yeah, he, he they grew all that corn and then when, when the movie was done, he sold it, made money back. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Christopher Nolan, the farmer. Yeah, I guess you can do it that way. Uh, but also salaries are going to Joaquin Phoenix and Mel Gibson too. I don't, I don't know how much and they had to build Joaquin. that whole house so that it looked exactly like the book. That's you true. know that's true. They did that was creepy. But you know the book, like the the in the book that they're reading, like the house looks exactly like their house that's on fire. Okay, and like what? the dead family. What that the was hell is creepy. what the hell is up with that? That, that was yeah. a coincidence. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> a sign of what would happen if they didn't. Start believing again? I don't know. God is like, oh, you better, you better read this here book. I put your death in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that part still makes absolutely no sense to me. And what, what's the doctor's name? Bimbu, Doctor Bimbu. Yeah, Doctor Bimbu. Yeah. Oh, but that was such a funny scene, though. He's like, yeah. oh yeah, Doctor Bimbu. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Real. You had a tone. You had a tone. <laughs> you, you had a tone. <laughs> They just went straight to the tinfoil hats after reading that book. Yeah. Like, All right. First thing. First thing. Gotta make these hats. <laughs> but like, it's, it's a great image. Oh, yeah. And apparently they needed them, too. If only they had taken the hats down to the cellar, then the thing wouldn't have known to use a doorknob because apparently... It's too advanced technology. For okay, me. okay. So that is, that is actually true, right? Like, the tinfoil hats were actually working. Yeah. I think so. I mean, that alone makes me love this movie. Like, if I didn't need any other reason, <laughs> like, they unironically were like, yes, tin ho- tinfoil hats work. If only we had taken them down yeah. to the cellar. Like, they did? Wait, I, I, did, I missed this. Well, yeah, I guess. Because he looks at the doorknob and then it starts jiggling. Because remember, oh. remember, they were just kind of like banging at the door? Yeah. And they weren't trying to get in. And then he thought about the doorknob and then they started moving it. Oh, yeah. and yeah. they thought about the coal shaft, and then they found oh. the coal shaft. Yeah. Although that that alien moved again very quickly to get in that coal shaft, and then well, there were a bunch of them, and then got there's, camouflaged, and then waited until the light was on it. Oh, there's a there's at least two aliens in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying between the time that they thought about the coal shaft and then found the coal shaft, the the hand was already there. You know, it was like inst- it, it, it was really fast. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I want to pick. And, and here, the but hair it was, was just, just like, but why was it just dangling? It was just what was dangling. he doing? It didn't yeah. Try to, yeah, yeah, that was, was that was, was so not scary this time around. I could, I was like, I can't believe I used to be scared of that. Yeah. I, I I agree, and you made me feel even worse about myself. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a funny screen that. And there was a hand there that started moving. It was like ah. Yeah. Apparently, hands moving. Scares Mike. Good. Good to know. know. Man, daily life must be hard for you. (laughs) Also, I I wonder if if we were watching this in slightly shittier quality where it's apparently darker because we can see the monster in that first scene that it was revealed. Maybe it looks more real because it's limp and then it looks real, right? Yeah. Maybe if if the movie was actually darker, it would have looked better. 
Well, on my grainy, like, you know, five-inch television that we watched on back in the day, because, I don't know, it was a million years ago, like, I did not see that hand until it moved, you know? I yeah. didn't see it dangling there at all, because it's like, it had, like, two pixels. So, so for Christopher <laughs> Nolan movies, you need to see them in theaters, highest resolution yeah. possible for M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> movies. You know, a Nokia slider phone would be ideal. <laughs> <laughs> also, all right, another complaint. Who the hell doesn't know where their coal shaft is in their basement? Who doesn't know where everything is in their house? That really bothered me. We're, we're in my basement right now. I know where everything is. I love this place. Like, the basement no. rules. They used to use this as a coal mine. So there is a shaft somewhere in here. Like I read this in a book once. <laughs> <laughs> they gave it to me when I bought the house. There's a, there's a coal shaft here, huh? We'll never look into that. <laughs> <laughs> not unless there's an alien invasion, am I right? <laughs> and it's like it's not like they never went down there either. There's like, shit down there. There's a lot of shit down there. Like yeah. they have it very organized. That's true. They have spent time organizing this basement. They have spent time with the lights on in the basement. And yeah. What's that grate over there? Don't look at that grate. We don't care about it. Okay. <laughs> it'll come in handy later. <laughs> Seems weird. We should it'll, investigate it. It'll come in handy later. Oh, <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> Oof. You win. That's that the best one. Um, all right. We, got, we actually have some other questions that we should get to here. Okay. Show of hands. Is this movie still scary? Yes. Raise your hand. Is this movie still suspenseful? If yes, raise your hand. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm going to put something yeah. out here, though. I, I watched this with my wife, who had seen it before, but com completely forgotten the movie. She was very scared. Mm. She was very scared by it. Like, like, not very scared. Like, it's not like she was, like, terrified or something. But she was, like, she was having jump scares. Yeah. She enjoyed I, it. I second mm. that. That's yeah. exactly my experience re-watching it this week. My wife was watching it with me, and, and she had... I think she'd seen it more times than I had, actually, and, and she was still freaking out. I'm not sure what to make nice. of that, but it's <laughs> it was the same experience. So, yeah. Well, I think four, four kids yeah. down, like you have nothing that terrifies you anymore. But with her, on the other hand, it's like everything is just. <laughs> I think I think the suspensefulness of the movie is what makes it scary like if you get really into this drama if you get really into like caring about these people and just wanting them to not die yet and wanting something good to happen for them then i think i could see how it could become scarier than it rightfully should be <laughs> yeah i think the that's drama, a good argument yeah I, I would say that that it works on that level at this at this point i, I will say my latest rewatch it's been it's been a long time since I've seen it, but like I said, I've seen it a lot. Uh, on this rewatch, I was actually kind of annoyed by the suspense. I was like, I was like, shut, just go back to the other stuff, go back to the talking. I like to get back there and start talking, you two peoples. Like, let's work out this conflict. I want to see this happen. I was like, the fucking aliens, get out of here. Like, I am not. I don't care about this. And my wife was kind of the same way. She she did not enjoy this nearly as much as she said she remembered doing so because we're both watching it. We're both kind of like. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's like you can feel that it works. You can see with your eyes that it works. Like I, I just had this this experience with with Psycho. I'd never seen Psycho before in my life, and I just watched Psycho last week because um, I'm a weirdo and I never saw it for some reason. And uh, unfortunately, in in this time, you know, I know everything about it. I know everything about it. I've seen documentaries about the shower stabbing. I know how important it is, and it was nice to watch the whole thing. I could see that it was suspenseful. I could see that it could even be scary. But it just wasn't suspenseful or scary at all in any way, shape or form. And that's kind of how I feel like watching Signs again is that I, I 
you just know too much when you when you see yeah. too far behind the curtain that it doesn't work anymore. At least for me, I, I wasn't scared at all by it, but I found it was hilarious. It's like I was laugh, I, I was laughing out loud the whole time, like at everything that was going on, and and what maybe worked as suspense before was like just hilarious comedic timing from sort of a '90s perspective or something. You know, sort of as like the slow pace. It's it's slow paced. It's very slow, and that's part of like. When I was 13, that felt like suspense, like what's going to happen? What's going to happen? But now it's like, you know, he's standing in the in the uh, in the drugstore, like listening to the girl's oh, confession, really which is just hilarious. She's someone now, too. Yeah, she, yeah, she's been in a lot of stuff. She's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Which is which is funny. And like, I don't know, just all this stuff is is hilarious. And my Shyamalan is hilarious. In- it's very funny. <laughs> Like it's standout comedic performance in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think he must have known, like, I'm a bad actor and that's going to make this funny. But movie after movie, he's like, you know who needs to do this scene? This guy right here. <laughs> yeah, but then maybe, maybe hand in hand then, like, there's a lot of Hitchcock in this thing. Like, yeah, uh, an insane yeah. amount of Hitchcock. Yeah. And again, having just seen Psycho last week, I was watching this. I was like, holy shit, you took like every shot you didn't take from Hitchcock, you just took from Spielberg. Like this is this is incredible <laughs> synthesis of these two people. And it works though. Like it, it works as, as a visual style. Wow, that that's really wow, that's really good. I mean, that's that's like yeah, that's a hundred percent right. It's it's Hitchcock and Spielberg in one movie. Wow. All right. Well, what's the most Hitchcock shot and what's the most Spielberg shot? I think for the Hitchcock shot, it's actually it, it's it's one of the dumber one of the dumbest moments in the movie. There's there's a point where the the officer uh, Cherry Jones comes out to look at the the corn right, and they're standing, and the camera's up, looking down at them. And at a certain point, Mel Gibson stands up, turns towards the camera, and walks towards it and stops. And that felt very Hitchcockian. Same thing with the conversation oh, yeah. with with Ray in the car when Mel Gibson's leaning in the car window. And just the way that Shyamalan has framed himself feels a lot like a lot of the car scenes in Psycho. It like almost felt like it could be black and white. And the dialogue was so kind of hammy and heavy. It felt like an older movie. Um, like if you had taken this, yeah. made it black and white and put it back then, I wouldn't have noticed the difference, except yeah. for the fact that the person saying it was a minority, <laughs> which would have been shocking. And then the Spielberg parts is, is where he gets to move his camera around, where he gets to like when they come, come running out of the house at the end and the camera's like swoops through and you see him like leaning down there and he's like looking at his son. He's like, no, his lungs were closed. He'll be OK. And a lot okay, of the, yeah. the, the chasing around of the alien, it felt very big and Spielbergian. But like when he decides to move his camera, it's super show offy, but he doesn't move it very often, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What about like the family shots? Like when when they're at the table? Yeah. Is that. Uh, or I mean, like that felt I, that felt like Spielberg when yeah. you're sitting at the table and you got Mel Mel at the end with the light on him. Yeah, um, I feel like I've seen that that the sort way of composition draws before. Them together, yeah, or like seeing that seeing the alien out the window when they do. Yeah. Anyway, that's interesting. I hadn't ever thought about that. It was it was on my mind having just seen Psycho and then transporting it into here. I haven't watched like Hitchcock movies in forever. I remember we watched like all of them. Well, not all of them, but all of, like the old ones mm-hmm. when I was. 16 we we're like oh hitchcock's amazing yeah i haven't seen them since at all it's weird hmm. you're a big hitchcock fan right jp yeah yeah i am i i don't know i haven't seen every hitchcock movie but i've, I've definitely seen most of them um or at least at least most of the of the big ones um yeah the, the the thing with hitchcock that 
I, I think one of one of his several trademarks is that he is is the way he does suspense is by if he calls it bomb theory or something like that, where it's like imagine a, a room full of people sitting at a table talking, and you know that there is a bomb underneath the table counting down. Now that conversation that they're having with each other, whatever that conversation is, becomes suspenseful just because you know that there is a bomb under the table. And they don't know what's there, but you do as the audience. That That's the way Hitchcock a lot of the time sets up his suspense. is just because you as the audience knows that something's coming, but the the characters in the movie don't. And and they're just and they're just operating like like it's just everyday life. That's a, that's a good contrast to this movie because the whole idea in this movie is that they know it's coming, right? At least there's a there's an awareness that something is weird, and then they figure out what it is. But the whole time there's a foreboding sense that something bad's about to happen, which gives like their dinner table conversation instead of like uh, maybe just talking about the weather. It gives it a much more dramatic feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and that's where that's where I'd agree with. I, I think either Vito or Mike, whoever just said this, uh, that scene does feel very uh, like Spielberg. It's interesting too, like a lot of this movie, Jesse, when you talked about like feeling like 9-11, a lot of this movie is them being like, no, we're just going to go. Do you remember when 9-11 happened? It was like, we're going to go around our daily life and go like, I remember after watching the towers fall going to school. And that was, that was what we did. A lot of it felt like that. That they're like, something's happening, but we are going to continue with our life. They just don't know that it's like aliens who are going to, you know, use them for food. I don't know. Harvest them. But so like we know that the bomb's going to go off. But like once you know what the bomb is and you're like 30-ish, it's not really like a bomb anymore. It's <laughs> it's it's a sign. Oh, ah! You did it again. Can you stop it? <laughs> the, true, the true signs are the aliens we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> true signs of the friends we alienated along the way there we go oh, there yes yes <laughs> maybe, maybe on another on a final like polarizing topic then so faith uh-huh. faith broadly speaking here it, it's certainly christian and bent in this movie and there's some very also in a kind of a hitchcockian way the 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 cross that is not there but is still there yeah denoting the loss of faith in his character it's interesting how it how it works. I guess that it, it's a whole movie about trying to believe in God again because aliens are coming down, right? I, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Trying to believe in God again because aliens are coming down? No, I mean like the movie. That that's that's the point of the movie, right? We got to get this guy to believe in God again. And we're going to do that by bringing down aliens. Oh, oh, yeah. I guess yeah. I mean, it might be reductive. Say there's a guy. Yeah, and he doesn't believe in God anymore. What if there was a guy who didn't believe in God anymore? Anymore, he, he did. He loved God. Yeah, doesn't love God anymore. No time. But well, aliens came. Yeah. Now he has time. What if I, I like the I like the Hitchcock angle on this on Mel Gibson's character though, because I, I I do think that he is his character is is a very trademark Alfred Hitchcock character. You know, th- thinking about somebody like Jimmy Stewart in The Man Who Knew Too Much or Cary Grant in North by Northwest, it's 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 the wrong man, right? The, the guy who just gets thrown into this this situation that, for no reason, right, shouldn't be there, 
knows nothing about what's going on, but now he's there and now he has to deal with it. If you look at it from that angle, you can almost look at the faith angle from the other direction, right? It's, it's not... It's not so much get this guy to believe in God because aliens are coming down, but rather here's a guy who no longer believes in God and now he's just thrown into something that's just bigger than he is ready for. And it's it's because he's he's being thrown into this scenario that's just it's like the Matrix, right? Where it's like all of a sudden, oh, oh, this is reality. Oh. And so through that he he comes to believe in God, I guess, or just or just recognize matter factly, oh yeah, I guess yeah, God is here, right? I mean, things are much bigger than I realized I I ever would have imagined a week ago, right? Because I just got thrown into this. Yeah. Well, all right, going back to what Vita was saying earlier though, like, do we need the aliens? Can it just be a tornado? Or can it be an atomic bomb? Like why does it have to be the the aliens from out of space? <clears throat> I guess I guess the angle that I was pushing the it would have to be aliens, like as a as a because reality a reality shaking experience. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to like work it out like in real time, and and my brain is moving slowly. I mean, so with all of like the quirks of life that sort of occur, like a tornado isn't going to die when you pour water on it, and like your kid isn't going to be saved from a tornado because they have asthma, and. Uh, Meryl isn't going to swing away because there's a tornado. So white yeah, well, dying causing, you know, like saying what she does about Meryl and like causing probably like the weird water thing that the girl has um, to happen isn't going to connect to saving the family, but if which is like, that's the whole, but if, but if you're like, taking out the aliens, then you just change what she says. She could change. She could say something else. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe she like says the location of the key that locks the cellar door and then you yeah. need it for the stop the NATO. And maybe, the, <laughs> and, and maybe the girl isn't like obsessed with water. She's obsessed with digging in the ground and she digs like a whole tornado shelter because she's traumatized because of her mother's death and she has to protect the family. I was trying like to that. be realistic. I, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe she's older. She's six. <laughs> Say she's 16. There you go. Okay. And she and yeah. she has a forklift operator's license. I don't know. <laughs> but, Say they start a brewery. And, I don't oh, know. <laughs> but then like, but then a question that the real, the real question that for, for both, both you, uh, Jesse and, and JP, then like the alien, the, the extraterrestrial life coming down into small town, Kansas is, Maybe it's not necessary for the faith aspect, but it definitely makes the movie a lot more fun than if it actually was a tornado. Because I feel like if it was a tornado, this would actually be like a real bummer of a movie. Like it would just be all just emotions and 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 anger and yeah. faith everywhere. And, and the aliens really... is like a fun thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's that part too. Yeah. Like, I'm still trying to work out, like, how, like, okay, now now that JP has mentioned it, like, how, yeah, how Graham has to have, his entire reality needs to be shattered. I'm trying to remember how he gains his faith back, but the way he gains his faith back isn't from something earth-shattering, isn't it just the fact that he's gonna die? When he says, I'm not ready? Yeah. I think that's the moment it happens, because... He's saying, I'm not ready. And then he starts like 
talking to God, even though he's saying, I hate you. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, which mirrors, uh, which mirrors his son saying to him, I hate you at the dinner table. Right. Which, which I think is, yeah. I, I don't, I don't have that all worked out on, on, on what the parallel is, but I, there's definitely something going on there. Right. Where his son says to him, I hate Check you. I hate you. Yeah. There it is. There it is. You got it. That's, that's the hidden one. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting how when, when the, when the kid says that to him, Mel Gibson says, that's fine. And then just goes on, and yeah, it's it. I think there's there's something about that where I think you're supposed to you're supposed to understand his relationship with God in that same way, or or maybe even God's relationship to him. Yeah, it's just being like that. That's fine. You can you can say that. Yeah, you can feel that way. <laughs> you can feel that way. That's fine. You're you're about to turn around in like six hours. <laughs> start praying to me again yeah exactly yeah is it that like his family like the thing that caused him to turn away from god is that his wife was taken from him and uh, i mean i i don't know i don't know if i can say more than this but the thing that causes him to turn back is when his family is turned his family's attacked because like his his family is again put in danger and he's saying i hate you that you're you are trying to take my family away from me again. That's what causes him to start talking to God again. Like uh, the whole idea of faith is that like, as long as you're talking to God, like you still believe, right? Like I can say, I hate you all day He previously had been mentioning he hadn't really been talking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was no dialogue. Yeah. There was no relationship there. Yeah. No belief. He he said, I won't spend one more minute on prayer. Yeah. Prayer. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah, so you need that. You need the dialogue because, like, once you're talking to somebody, you know, you believe that they they are there. So, yeah, that's that's the beginning of his of his faith. I think the real yeah. beginning is him saying, "I'm not ready," because he's saying that to somebody. Yeah. And, and there is a well, camera trick that happens himself, right there. There's a camera trick that happens. Yeah, there yeah. Where it looks at his face, and it, it's like a like a half a second stutter where it slows and then picks back up. Um, it's it's a weird effect. Yeah, I've watched it a couple right. times, but I, yeah. yeah, I I think I think Jesse's right there. I think that is I think and that stylish signature is meant to point you at it. You're like, wasn't that weird that his face did that? And yeah. maybe that's why. Well, interesting. Uh, another sort of interesting thing about that moment too is that like a, a lot of like the religious imagery is that you know God's knocking on your door, right? And you just have to open it and let yeah. let him in. Right. Um, and he's like, I'm not ready. He's holding the door closed. I, mm. I, I, I'm sure mm. that Shyamalan was thinking something mm. about that. I'm um, sure he was thinking yeah. something about mixing his metaphors. Yeah, yeah. So that's a very unique <laughs> metaphor there. Yeah. <laughs> stick, yeah. Just stick that in a big bowl. Yeah. Just... <laughs> just see what comes out. We'll run that up the flagpole. See who salutes, salutes it. it. <laughs> um, Open the door and see all the people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Since we're on the topic of like, I think we're still on the topic of like what the aliens and stuff. Mm. And like what they are. I, I read something interesting and I think I, I had already kind of thought this, so I kind of agree with this, but uh, the idea that they're not like, yes, in the story, the way they function, they are aliens. But like, what if, what if they're really supposed to be more symbolic demons, right? These are the demons that are haunting him, like manifesting themselves out to, out to get him and his family. Um mm. Which would you know, uh, the uh, the water imagery would really uh, support yeah. that, right? It's it's it would be like holy water, right? Because 
or or because demons are on fire because hell is fire yeah and that too yeah yeah which is why they're literally fiery beings they don't like water you didn't know that? <laughs> oh, oh, because oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's they have to go water. get. They have to go get relit. Yeah, <laughs> shit. Got to go all the way back down there. <laughs> <laughs> get lit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or a, yeah, or there's you know the demon locked in Ray's pantry. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, that's been like hidden there for a long time. So like, I I, I almost wonder why this isn't a demon movie. Like why mm. and why it's because an alien because movie demons. Instead. Aliens, you can actually say aliens do stupid things, but a, a big thing about demons and demon movies, demons and demon movies are really smart. Like they're very hard to get. And these aliens are dumb. They are yeah. stupid. And yeah. you need them okay. to be dumb. And also demons aren't family movie material. Right? Like, well, uh, did you not watch Poltergeist as a kid? <laughs> I didn't watch it as a kid or as an adult, <laughs> and I didn't watch it with my family. Beetlejuice? You're saying Beetlejuice is not a I have never movie. seen Beetlejuice. What? I know. Isn't that weird? Man. I missed a lot of stuff. I have messed I, up on my birthday. I don't consider yeah. Beetlejuice a great family movie, to be honest. Oh. Like, I just... Boy. I, like, my, I, my kids are over 12, dude. We're sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> dude. Yeah. Halloween night watching Beetlejuice with dad? <laughs> Can't wait. But I, fair enough. But fair enough. That's 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 what I'm doing. I understand. Jesse, I, I really like that idea of like the them representing the demons. I mean, I'm thinking about like, I don't know. I I tell my kids the story of their birth sometimes. They love it. Um, and it's often when they are like they're freaking out, like they're having a tantrum or something. And uh when that happens, I feel like there's stuff closing in on my own my mind and like and and I'll I'll do this when when things are are hard for me. Um, it lightens me. It, it it takes a lot out of off of my back um, when I sit down and tell them like the story of their birth. They love it. They get calmer when I tell it to them. If they need it, I get calmer when I tell it to them. And that so like that that scene just it, it's amazing how like these things hit like hit home in a new way as a parent as a father when it's oh, like yeah. I'm not relating to the son anymore. I'm relating to the dad. Like that definitely is a feeling like everything's sort of attacking all over the house. And then like we will bring peace by remembering like the life that you are, like the person that you are, uh, the person that we we love and this this life that we share together. And it's a way of sh- I don't know. I don't know. It's it's always a really beautiful experience doing that uh, with my kids. It's so cool. Like sometimes they'll ask, like, can you tell me the story of our family or something like that? That's love cool. It. It's it's like a a bubble of peace in in a very yeah unpeaceful world yeah. And also like the scene at the dinner table, man. I, I definitely related to Mel Gibson a little bit there. Stop <laughs> you <know>? crying. <laughs> Why are you crying? <laughs> yes, it's you're not... yelling at everyone, and I'm gonna keep yelling until you all quit. <laughs> the beans will continue until morale has improved, right? <laughs> I mean, he just made everyone their favorite meal. What are they all doing crying? <laughs> Shut up. Eat your mashed Because they all know it's the end of the world. <laughs> eat your potatoes. And because anyway, he just, he yeah. won't say one little prayer and that's all the son asked for. That's right. Yeah. That's right. 
No, well, the son also asked for mashed potatoes and, and pancakes, and he got that shit. So, like, come on. <laughs> be grateful. It took way longer than the little prayer. <laughs> See? So he should be even more grateful. <laughs> you know what? He should believe that everything he does is a prayer. So who no. needs to say him? <laughs> would have been a better line for Elkinson. <laughs> oh, uh, so, okay, we, we've been everywhere. Sorry, Jesse. Sorry. Well, we have been everywhere, but JP, didn't you want to say something about aliens? Yeah, you would say you, you opened up this podcast saying oh. that you did some research about our overlords. Wait, wait, wait! Can I ask <laughs> first? Entering into into this, yeah. who here believes in aliens? I do. I do. I do. Uh, I'm fine if they're around. That is a much different. That's not the answer to the question. Do you believe that aliens exist? Is the question. And I'm fine if they're around. Does not an answer that question. See, I'm not sure it's if I'm. There are, I'm not sure if I'm fine if they're oh. around. I'm just, you know, convinced they are. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure they're real. Are, are you sure they're real, Jesse? No. No. That is shocking. Wow. That's sort of shocking. Like, I'm half shocked, but I'm also like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> if you look at a guy like that, I bet he is on indifferent to aliens. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just indifferent to aliens. Indifferent to aliens. If, so if, I, if I see any, then I'll be like, yeah, they exist. Until then, I'll be like, I, I don't know what those lights were. Huh. Okay. They're aliens. Yeah. But it's okay. Okay. You, okay. I mean, okay. I, I saw aliens. I don't know what you saw. I saw aliens. <laughs> Just like you see signs. I see the signs, yeah. and I, I do not pass go. I do not yeah. collect $200. Yeah. Because then, yeah. then there'll be aliens waiting. I, 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 so. I, I keep so, on collecting $200, so... <laughs> scared of the aliens that's so 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 with that groundwork laid jp yeah let's move forward All into right. into your uh your research into aliens well you mean tom delange's blogger let the man answer i mean <laughs> i mean i i am and 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 that's and you know I, I would encourage everyone to keep up with the with the current events of of you know the the former front man of blink 182 now you know he actually knows a lot getting the um United States government to reveal its secrets. I mean, that's, you know, mm-hmm. def- definitely like mm-hmm. top five most rock and roll moments of the 21st century right there. You know, <laughs> they, say, they say there's no such thing as a, as a rock star in the 2020s. Oh, yes, there oh, is. Oh, yes, there Tom. is. Tom. Yeah. It's Tom. I mean, it's, it's, it's right, it's right up there with David Bowie bringing down the Berlin Wall. You know, it's, it's right up there. <laughs> you know, you know what he was saying about it? I miss you. He was singing about that alien. <laughs> He was. <laughs> yeah. The original lyrics were, don't waste your time on me. You're already a probe inside my head. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Oh, for someone so indifferent, you have quite a, a wicked sharp wit for the alien humor, Jesse. Yeah, thank you. You know, just, just uh, refer back to two historical events, and, and they are historical events in case you couldn't hear very clearly what i just said they are these are two historical events just because mm. they're not in your you know crappy middle school history book does not mean they're not historical events okay so we're going to start there and now now there's one that's more for the kind of you know the common man and there's a, a second one that's that's more for the the insiders you know so so we'll start with <laughs> where's the subscribe button on this youtube channel <laughs> <laughs> Where's the not common man? <laughs> Actually, that'd be a great YouTube channel. Not the common man. 
But tell me, I am a common man, and I want to know what I should know. So, so just starting with the the basics, right? Roswell, what really happened? Nineteen forty-seven. Just the basics. Okay, there was there was a crash. There were bodies found. Four of them. One of them was probably still alive when they recovered it. All sorts of cover-ups. Crazy, crazy cover-ups. I'll just, I'll just, you know, throw this one out there. The uh, local coroner was received a phone call a few days later asking for four child-sized coffins um, in Roswell, New Mexico. I think people would know if four kids just died over the weekend. It, it didn't right. happen, right? Okay. Anyway, I, I people probably know the story, you know, but but I encourage you to look a little deeper. Maybe go to the Roswell. UFO museum because there is one and I've been there and and it will um, oh it, cool it will enlighten you I'm so yeah. jealous yeah and they have I'm jealous and they have all the all the original you know newspaper clippings posted up where you can see how you know they they tried to erase history but now it's it's there it's there and it was not a a weather balloon which uh, which takes me to more insider story here you know our government just loves they just love to use the weather balloon excuse for aliens which which to me like i I don't know like what what they have like a few guys sit around a table and think like what can we come up with that sort of sounds like a ufo but it's completely benign and we can totally pass off as this is actually what you saw and they all like i mean how long did it take to come up with with oh it was a weather balloon that's what it was like was it like Mm. Five minutes? Was it like two minutes? Like, I, I mean, I mean, I, I would like to think that I would have come up with something better than a weather balloon. You know, if I had spent a few minutes trying to think about what else could it have been, but but no, that's what they use at Roswell, and that's and that's what they use in Los Angeles in February twenty fourth and twenty fifth, nineteen forty two, the Battle of Los Angeles. And no, I am not referring to the crappy, you know, uh, twenty twelve movie or whatever this whatever that movie's bad yeah. that movie's yeah. bad not referring to that no this is the actual historical event the battle of los angeles and if you look it up it's it's still on wikipedia how do i know this because i'm looking at the wikipedia page right now it's still there it, they'll probably take it down after after you know they they hear my spiel on this because they realize we're on to <laughs> them but but it's it's up there right now battle of los angeles from it, it occurred on on february 24th and 25th where a mysterious aircraft, an un- unidentified flying object, if you will, appeared over uh, Los Angeles, as, as you know, right? Shortly after... Looking we, at the picture. Yep. Shortly after Pearl Harbor. Yep, that's the picture. I'm looking at that one, too. Yep, there it is. You know, for, for you listeners, th- this is a picture of an unidentified flying object with at least eight beams of searchlights pointing at it. Anyway, so the context, of course, is the United States had just entered World War II, you know, shortly after Pearl Harbor, where the there was a surprise attack by the Japanese on Pearl Harbor. And so Americans were very afraid that, okay, there's going to be a follow up now on the mainland, right? And so we, we see this aircraft over Los Angeles, seems like the logical next place to attack. And so we respond and just shoot everything we have at this thing and we shoot at it all night long like 
throughout the night. That's why it's two nights, 24th and 25th, all night long. Cannot bring it down. Then it flies away. Now it's gone. And it's just gone. And that's it. So the official... Ex- bad, bad move. Bad move on our parts. Oof. What, what, is the, what is the official explanation of the, of the Battle the of Los Angeles? The official explanation is um, in, in 1949 is that it was a meteorological balloon so it it took him you know it took him a solid oh, yeah. it took him a solid seven years to come up with this by the way like like it took him a solid seven years to be like ah it was a weather balloon that's what it was and everyone just missed yeah and they and <laughs> yeah and everyone just missed and and this was too big to fail too, too big small, to hit <laughs> too small to succeed <laughs> and and quote this was what started all the shooting and once the firing started, imagination created all kinds of targets in the sky and everyone joined in. So just imagine, just imagine the, the military that took out Adolf Hitler shooting at the sky like the freaking Keystone cops all night long <laughs> and not able to bring down a weather balloon and then it's flying away and now it's gone. It's like it's like if there was just a gas leak all of a sudden and everyone's like, I see everything. <laughs> wow. So so that, that I didn't would know be... about that at all. Yeah, yeah. So so there you go. So they are among us. They are watching us. I'm not so so where I'm I'm just I'm not sure about is like what is you know, the overall goal here. I, I thought this movie was a, a good attempt at like, hey, like they're they're raiding, right? They're they're com- they're taking and they're leaving, right? Because they're they're clearly not they're not here to to conquer at least as of yet. So maybe they're here just to just to observe. I would, I would hope so. Hopefully that's all it is. Hopefully they're not raiding like in the movie, but still trying to figure that out. You know, they, they should have yeah. sprayed water at them. See that that's really that was that's what you got to do when you meet someone. You just got to spray a little bit of water on them, like spit on them. Yeah, That's, not not not, uh, yeah, not in post COVID times. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you spit, yeah. That, well, if they catch COVID, they're dead, according to War of the Worlds, right? This is true. Mm-hmm. This is true. Because we'll COVID, no we can no know. longer spit on them. <laughs> that is what I said. <laughs> it was fine before. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, this is this has been an entertaining ride, guys. Uh, I have to say. This ride was a dad movie. Oh yes, and yeah. this movie is a dad movie. Oh yes, both of them. This Ooh. is this is the most dad podcast I think maybe we've ever done, <laughs> <laughs> and this is one of the most dad movies I think we've ever done. It's true. It's true. Uh, uh, that, that's my feeling. I don't know about you guys. What do you what do you what do you all think? Uh, uh, JP, what do you think? Yes, hundred percent. Ooh, this I will show this to my children to help them understand that they are among us. <laughs> <laughs> they should have already watched it. <laughs> you're right. You're right about this that. One, this is this is real footage, kids. Um, this is chapter one of the aliens are among us. Yeah. No. This is this is totally a dad movie. This is dad written all over. Even especially now as a dad, like I feel so much for the dad and everything the dad is going through in this movie, and it works on that level. It worked on the level of uh, kids. So yeah, this is like a. a I think the new criteria that, that we've all come up with, I think maybe it was her that came up with is you're just falling asleep in your chair in front of in front of a movie and that's a dad movie. This definitely has that aspect. I can do that 
Uh, my kids are going to associate with me because uh, I'm going to show it to them. And uh, yeah, yeah, this is great. Dad movie all the way. Awesome. I, I I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I feel like it hits almost almost if not every uh, criteria. You know, like falling asleep to it, uh, enjoying the crap out of it. Uh, something that te- teaches a great lesson. It it gets better as you get older, or it, like changes and gives you new things as you get older with it. Yep. It, it's uh, it's sort of a history lesson. I mean, like like it just doesn't stop. All of it's there. It's all here. Mm-hmm. It's all here. And I mean, like it's imperfect. Uh, you know, the ending is is lacking. Uh, um, garbage fire. Yeah, yeah. But it's still it's still amazing. And I do, I wonder though if our kids are gonna like it. What do you think? Like, well, kids coming at this and I don't know, what is it? It's going to be like 2030 or something. Will they be like, this is a piece of garbage. I think it'll, I think it'll still work. Yeah. I think it'll still work for like, if I hadn't had psycho spoiled to me because right. the film world loves yeah. to just endlessly go over psycho for some reason mm-hmm. constantly. And if everyone hadn't spoiled it from the moment I first heard the title, I think psycho would have worked. Yeah. Um, but it's overexposure. And I don't yeah. think this movie is going to suffer from overexposure. Yeah. At all. Yeah, I doubt they'll. I doubt they'll ever hear of it until we totally show it. To them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this movie. Yeah, I think they're gonna like it if you show it. If you start it young enough, I think. Actually, JP, I'm surprised you really like this movie. Like starting in college. Not that I think this is a bad movie, but like, I, I guess I have so much nostalgia wrapped up wrapped in it that I think I would have liked it uh, a lot less if I didn't have that, and I recognized like all these problems that we were pointing out. Uh, yeah, and and that's and that I was definitely a, a I mean, that was definitely a, a hang up for me a little bit, but I, I will say the uh, the nine eleven parallels you guys were mentioning, I, I think that was subconsciously, I think why I was able to to you know relate to it as much as I did. I mean, I, I, I gosh, that's that's just a, a generational experience that that is that is uniquely ours, right? Is is just when 9-11 happened and we are all watching the television, like the entire country watching the television at the same time in real time, just getting these updates and that, and, and the way that was recaptured with reimagined with this movie, I didn't even, I didn't even think about it as being not, you know, not authentic. Right. I, I just, I saw this and I, I accepted mm-hmm. it immediately. Right. Because that, that was my lived experience of, of what life is like, right. Where, where you have this, you have this moment that is just completely earth shattering and you're like, what just happened? And this is how you experience it. Right. And, but, but hearing you guys talk about that, that, that nine 11 parallel, I'm like, gosh, like, you know, younger younger generations will watch this movie and, and just see that and just think that's artificial or whatever. And I'll have to be like, no, like this is actually the way it was. Like, yeah, it, it wasn't aliens, but this was actually the way it was. And this was actually the way we responded and, and experienced, you know, a, an event of, you know, pr- pretty much, pretty much um, equal, you know, scariness really in, in our own lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I and I want to really want to show it to my kids so that way they can understand that because it's I think they still will in twenty thirty because like you you're still going to be attached to screens right like I think yeah. a par- a parallel shot to that would be like everybody gasping and looking at their phone all simultaneously I've seen that shot before probably in a Marvel sure. movie <laughs> yeah. born identity or something one of the born movies glass 
Yeah. Happens in glass. Oh. Another Shyamalan movie. Oh, no. It does happen in glass. Like, and, uh, yeah, it does, it does happen. Yeah. Anyway, well, I think uh, it's a dad movie. Yeah. 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 I, I, I love that it is. I, I, I love that, uh, for at least, at least the three of us of the four of us here have been waiting ever since we were children to talk about this. And we, now we've done it. And I'm so happy that we were joined uh, by you gone too long, JP. Very sorry for the the long delay. We yeah. need to have you back before such another year has passed. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's such a, such a treat to be back. No, I, I just love, love being on this, on this show with you guys. And thank you so much. Yeah, man. It's our, our pleasure. Yeah. Our pleasure. Um, Absolutely. Uh, from all of us at Not Your Father's Movies, I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Jesse. I'm JP. Good night.